Good morning, everybody. Uh, before we get started, will you join with me in a word of prayer? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we can come together and to hear your word, to set this time aside, to hear you, to spend time with you. So Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord. Open our ears, open our minds to hear your word. I pray that your spirit would speak to us, encourage us, exhort us. And we ask that you would be here with us, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, and give you praise, Lord, for you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. So how are you all doing with all the pandemic going to this ongoing pandemic? How are you holding up? It's been rough. It's been smooth for you. I know the different challenges that we all face. What are some of the challenges that you've been facing? What has made, what's made this uh, difficult for you? I know the challenges can range from uh, inconvenient nuisance, such as having to, you know, can't go outside your front door without wearing a mask, or you always, you know, what do you do if you forgot your mask at home, to great tragedy. I know there are many people who have suffered great loss. and They've had death in the family, or they've known somebody close to them who've passed away. Maybe they experienced long-term illness through this pandemic. Um, maybe they've experienced economic hardship. Maybe you've experienced uh, just great hardship throughout this time. I know we've all, in the midst of this whole pandemic, over this past year, we've, we've all experienced some sort of adjustment, whether it's minor nuisances to great tragedy. We've all had to adapt. We've all had to um, we've experienced things that we've had to overcome over this past year. Um, I'd like to believe, hopefully at some point in time, that the, the virus itself will not be as uh, widespread. It won't be as deadly or pervasive. And maybe we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. But even in the past year, even going back to when everything all started with the lockdown started to come down, I wondered how will we adjust to all the changes that we've had to make over this past year? I'm interested to see how this past year of social distancing, uh, wearing masks and isolation, how that's going to affect how we associate with people, how we socialize. Uh, will it affect our relationships or how we treat others? I remember when the lockdown phase took place over a year ago, and I remember wondering, how is this going to affect the Christian community? How is this going to affect churches all across the country? You know, around the world, there are Christians who are, uh, their daily life is a lot of struggle and hardship. So they're used to practicing their faith or living a Christian life with a lot of adversity, whether it's illnesses, um, uh, persecution. But here in the States, I think we've become pretty used to living out our faith 
living out the faith part of our lives in comfort. We like our church life to be neat and tidy and just the way we like it. But what happens when fellowship doesn't come so easy to us? What's going to happen when church is not what it used to be? Or what happens to our relationships when there's been that social distancing? What will happen to our church life as we know it? Those are some of the things that I I wondered and questioned over the past year, how the church and how Christians will be affected with this pandemic. What happens to our testimony to the unbelieving world? Well, we find ourselves that we've relied so much on our church, our churches as being the light for us, that did we forget how to be a light to others? So I pondered all these things and, and, and thinking about the changes that we need to make uh, throughout the pandemic, and I wondered, how is it going to affect? Has social distancing, wearing masks, um, giving people more excuses to isolate? Or is it even not even just the, the pandemic itself? With this, we have had so much stuff happen this past year. I wondered, is it, getting it, is it getting more difficult for us to love people these days? To show love to people? So I, I was pondering all these things, and especially over this past year. And it made me think about the passages we're looking at the last two weeks and the passage we'll look at today. We've been looking at God's love the past two weeks. And these messages aren't an exhaustive look of love or an exhaustive look about God's love. But I hope to at least share or some insights or give us some things to marinate when it comes to God's love, some different perspectives of God's love. And today we're going to look at the title of the message, What's Love Got to Do With It? Part 2. And we're going to take a look at how God's love should affect us when we're dealing with other people. How we treat others. How do we express God's love to other people? So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. And as you turn into 1 John chapter 4, I want to give you a quick summary of the past two weeks, the past two messages that we've looked at. And we talked about the greatest love story two weeks ago. How the greatest love story is between God and His people. The fact that He loved and He continues to love. And that He created out of love. So He created you and He created me, not only out of His love, but to love and be loved. We saw that love comes from God. In fact, God is love. His very nature, very character is love. God loved us first. Not only did He create out of love, but that He loved us first. Before we could ever do anything for Him, it says that He loved us first. And to show how much He loves us, He sent His Son. That Jesus Christ died, He came to earth, to be that sacrifice for our sin, to be the atoning sacrifice, to mend the broken relationship that we have with God because of our sinfulness, because of our unbelief, because of our unfaithfulness. Jesus paid a debt that we couldn't pay. He paid that debt for us so that if we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, 
believe that he rose from the dead, we can have eternal life with him. We can have a relationship with him. That God doesn't just simply want us to believe he exists. But God invites us to have a relationship with him, to abide with him. And it says that he will abide in us. The Son, the Spirit, God, his love would abide in us if we would have relationship with him. So we need to stay connected with the Lord. To have relationship with him means to be connected with him, to abide with him, and he would abide with us. And that through that, we have a direct pipeline to God's love, his perfect love. So we're going to take a look at that, that effect now. So if we have relationship with him and we abide in his love and he abides in us, what does that look like? Now, if you can tell in 1 John, love is a central theme throughout the letter. So we see love mentioned many times in this, in this, not only in this passage, but throughout his letter. So what are we to do with this message of God's love? Why is it so important? How are we to respond? So we're going to pick up on a verse again, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And we'll read again verse 7. We looked at this last week. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if you follow the train of thought, you follow that verse, it says to know God is to know love and then to love others. You see that train of thought? Know God, know love, and love others. See, a direct effect of the knowledge of God is God's love active in our life. God's love is active in the life of those who are born of God who's been spiritually reborn. And when you know God, you will know His love. But it goes on to say, the one who does not love does not know God. Now that should give you a a moment to pause for a second and really kind of let that sink in and marinate a little bit. The one who does not love does not know God. See, you can believe in God And not really know him. You think, hmm, let me give an example. Husbands, has your wife ever said to you, do you even know me? Now, if that didn't put a jabbing feeling in your heart, like, oh, it should. If you've had anyone ever say that to you, do you even know me? What are they saying to you? What they're saying to you is that you should know me better. There's only a certain, is there only a certain level of knowledge of me? You should know me better. You don't know me as well as you should. You know of me. We spend time together. But how deeply do you know me? See, to know God is to know his love. And to know his love is to express his love to others. Why? Because that's God's character. That's God's nature. Recently, I pondered a question of why did God create us? Have you ever wondered that? 
Have you ever thought of that big question, why did God create us? And so I thought about that. I let that marinate a little bit. And it made me think about, you know, this, these passages. If God is love, and he created out of love, that means out of his nature, out of a, a loving nature, it means it needs to be shared. His love has this compulsion to be shared. And I thought of this analogy um, with my dad. When my dad was, was, uh, was alive, was around, and us kids, and uh, we brought our kids, and we had family gatherings, and it was always, it was often very chaotic and loud and busy, and everyone's doing stuff. And in the midst of all the chaos and busy and all the conversations, you would see my dad somewhere sitting on a couch or somewhere on a chair, and he'd just be sitting back and just watching. He'd watch, often with a smile on his face. At the time, I didn't fully appreciate or understand. But I imagine he was sitting back watching, enjoying. He was enjoying seeing his children and his grandchildren enjoying life together. And I think about God and why he created. If his nature is love and he creates out of love, he wanted to create us that we may enjoy Him. He gave to us so that we could enjoy. But out of a nature of love, love is meant to be shared. So He created so that He can share Himself with us. That we can enjoy life with us. And I think about God's love. I imagine it brings great joy to God when he sees us enjoying him, enjoying what he has given us. You think about it, that makes sense. When you've known somebody long enough, don't they have an effect on you? If you've known someone long enough, I, I don't know, maybe you've had this way. Maybe uh, you've noticed that in your relationships, whether it's your, your, your marriage relationship or your friendships, um, your siblings. When you know someone long enough, they have an effect on you. Have you noticed uh, when you've, in your marriage relationship over the years, have you noticed maybe you and your, your spouse start to think alike? You start to say things the same way? Maybe you don't even need to uh, say anything. You know what each other is thinking. There's that effect that you have. When we ha know someone long enough, we have an effect. And the more you get to know them, the more you're influenced by them. See, love is indicative of a child of God. And God should have that same influence on us. His love should have that same influence on us. So how much influence does God truly have in your life? To know God is to know His love, and to know His love is to love others. Also, God's love is always at work in us. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. 
If we love one another, what does it say? God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. See, God's love is at work in us. And it says his love is perfected in us. See, God's love in our life is measured and perfected in our love for others. You catch that? God's love in our life is measured and perfected in our love for others. See, for many, for many people, their faith is often theory more than practice. Sometimes their faith is more academic knowledge than practical knowledge. We often stress uh, head knowledge without considering practical knowledge. What do I mean by that? We can, you know, we raise our kids, we, we teach them Bible stories. So maybe you've learned Bible stories. You know memory verses. Uh, you've re- you can recite them. You can debate theology. You can, uh, recite, you can defend. You can have apologetics. So you have a lot of knowledge here. But if God's love is not in practice, does that knowledge have any relevant power? You can have concepts, you can have thoughts, you can have information, but if it's not seen in action, does the knowledge have any power? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1-3, Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong, clanging cymbals. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. See, many know this passage, but do we truly appreciate the message of what Paul's trying to say? Because over the course of our Christian life, how many times have we heard something be taught about spiritual gifts? What's your spiritual gift? Maybe you've heard an emphasis on Bible knowledge. So you memorize this, you learn these stories. You may have heard an emphasis of great faith, to have great faith. Faith even to believe in miracles. Or maybe you admire the idea of suffering for the faith. You do all these different things for God. And those are all well and good. But what Paul's saying here, if we don't have love, then what does it all mean? We could be a great speaker, but if there's no love, then it's just, you're like the the adults in the Charlie Brown commercials or cartoons. You know, it's just the the wah, 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 wah kind of sounds. You can be a gifted musician. You can be a worship leader. You can have all the talent in the world. But if there's no love for God, then it could just be noise. You can be doing all these things for God, but if there's no love, then it's just actions. It's the love of God. The love of God gives meaning. It gives power. If we're abiding in God, it should be evident in how we treat others, how we communicate with others, how we see others. 
how we show love to others. And it says his love is perfected, made complete in us as we love others. I think that's quite ingenious about God. Think about that. His love in us is perfected as we show love to others. That's really ingenious because whenever we try to perfect something in us or mature, complete something in us, we open the door for pride to get in, to pride take control in us. But what God says, if you want my love perfected in you, grown, mature, complete, and whole, love others. Give of yourself. Give to another person. Show my love to them. You want God's love more complete in your life? Love others. But then he said, love the world. God so loved the world. Do we have to love the whole world too? And the answer is God's love is the remedy to fear and hate. We see that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. He says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Now this is a tough one. It's a tough one because sometimes, okay, many times, it's not very easy to love the whole world. Do we have to love the whole world? This verse in this passage says God's love is the remedy to fear and hate. You know, we I think we kind of throw the word hate pretty loosely. Uh, we use it very easily sometimes. Perhaps we use it too much. What we hate. We can fall easily into using the word hate. What are some things that you hate? I can think of some things that I say I hate. I hate liver. I don't know if you ever like eating liver. I hate liver. I think I've had it once, and that was enough for me. I hate the sound of metal utensils scratching plates or bowls. That sound just brings chills up my spine, and I cringe. I hate slow driving in the carpool lane. Frustrating. I hate the Trojans. No. Well, maybe, but okay. What do you hate? See, all these things in our life, but all right, I shouldn't say I hate the Trojans. Okay. But all these things that invoke these feelings, these emotions, we often translate also to the people in our lives. There may be a coworker who, when they talk, it's like the metal scraping a plate and it makes you cringe. Maybe how some people act or behave. It causes, it rubs you the wrong way. It causes emotions of frustration and aggravation and anger and all these things. And we use this word hate around and we throw it around and it just seems like these days there's a lot of hate being thrown around. It's easy to love those who are easy to love. But when it comes to those who are challenging to love. 
Do we have to love them too? Do we have to love those who align themselves on the other aisle, political aisle, across the aisle? Do we have to love those who think differently from us? There's a lot of hate. We live in a very polarizing time, a very divided time. We're living in times where people hate other people for whether their political views, some hate others for how they look, their appearance, the color of the skin, black, brown, white, or any shade in between. Some hate them for their social economic stance, where they came from, all different reasons. But what would happen if we had allowed God's love to affect us, to have an impact on us, how would that affect how we influence the world? Would it affect how we see people? How we talk to them? How we see who they are? Think we would find ourselves hating people a little less? Fearing a little less? Because see, if we relied on our own love, our own ideas, our abilities to love, we're going to find it being very limited. But what is this saying here? We're to love others with God's love. We don't rely on our own abilities to love. Do we rely on the ability or rely on God's love when we love others? See, when we rely upon our own self, we often love on the condition of tolerance or convenience or uh, pleasure or expectations. I'll love you only the certain amount of convenience, whatever is convenient for me, or whatever is pleasurable for me, I will show that love to you. Or what, how much I can tolerate, that's as much as I can show to you. Or whatever expectations I might have or you might have, that's only about as much love I can share. But what does Jesus say? He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as what? Just as I have loved you. It says, love one another as I have loved you. So how do we love like Jesus? That seems like a very daunting task. A challenging task. How do we love like Jesus loves? Well, let's kind of review as we look back and what we've, all see, what we've seen about God's love in the past couple of weeks. From John 3, 16 and 17 to 1 John 4, 7 through 21. What are some things we've seen about God's love? We saw God's love is sacrificial. His love forgives. God's love heals. It saves. God's love is eternal. To know God is to love. It's to know His love. God loved us first. God paid a costly price out of love. And God's love is relational and requires relationship with Him. So you look at all these different things about what is the, the markers for God's love, what God's love looks like. And we have somewhat of a, a checklist for ourselves of how we can love like Jesus. I'm going to summarize all those into four kind of points and again, it's not an exhaustive thing, but just four points that I, can, I gather from these, 
these passages of how we can love like Jesus based on God's love for us. So if we have this checklist, the love of Jesus, the first thing to check, love points people to the Father. Jesus' love always points people to the Father. Desire for the other person to have right relationship with God. This checklist may not look like what you may think about love. But you think about God's love and the love that Jesus shows us. His love always points us to the Father. Everything that Jesus did was to bring us to the Father. And if you think about our lives and the, the, how we share love to other people, does what we do bring people to the Father? Does it bring glory to God? Does it help somebody to see right relationship with God? Because that's love. is pointing them to the Father. The second thing, Jesus' love sacrifices convenience for service. Sacrifices convenience for service. In other words, be willing to sacrifice personal comfort and convenience to serve the needs of others without receiving anything in return. Say that again. When you can sacrifice convenience for service, you're willing to serve another person's needs without the requirement of receiving anything back in return. Why? Because remember, what did God do? God loved us first. He showed his love towards us before we ever accepted, ever believed, ever went to church, ever listened to a sermon, ever tried to do anything good. He died for us. He sacrificed for us. Are we willing to sacrifice our conveniences to serve somebody else? The third thing does not celebrate. Jesus' love does not celebrate or participate in sin. If, we share, if we're sharing love like Jesus loves to somebody, we're not celebrating or participating in sin. I think there's a myth that, that something that people believe, well, God just loves me just as I am. Well, he loves you. In spite of all our weaknesses, all our flaws, all the things we've done wrong, yes, absolutely, God loves us. Despite all those things. But God's love doesn't want us to stay just as we are. God loves and He wants us to be delivered from all those things. All the stuff that we struggle with. And see, when we show love to somebody, we're not celebrating sin. We're not participating in it with them. Because that is not bringing them closer to the Father. That's not serving them. In fact, it's harming them. He loves us while we were sinners, but He doesn't want us to stay that way. And we need to be careful when we're showing love to somebody especially someone who doesn't know the Lord. We don't want to paint this picture that God doesn't care about whether we're doing something right or wrong. 
we have to be careful that we don't celebrate or participate in the things that we should not do. And the fourth thing, Jesus' love has an eternal perspective in mind. Love does not simply gratify the immediate pleasures, but it has eternity in mind. Someone's salvation in mind. Their eternal destination in mind. I'm sure we all know somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And we want to be kind. We want to be patient. We want to appear as uh, embracing. And that's all, all fine and good. But we have to remember there's an eternity. There's an eternal perspective in mind. And when we show love to somebody, do we have eternity in mind? Or are we so focused on just the immediate here and now, the immediate gratifications? See, there's a contrast between the way the world wants to love and how God is asking us to love. It's for us to point to the Father, to be willing to sacrifice ourselves, to not participate in the things of this world, but pointing them to eternity, pointing them to Christ. See, God's love sets the mold. God loves us. We love Him. And in His love, we are to show love to other people. Love is meant to be shared and expressed. When God gives us love, He doesn't want us to hoard it all for ourselves. There's plenty of God's love for us to share with others. And we're going to have storehouse of full of His love. We don't have to hoard it for ourselves. God says, look, I love you. Get to know me. And as you know me, show it to others. Express it to others. Lead people to me. I want them to enjoy me as well. There's an eternity waiting. As we think about God's love and impact on our lives. When you have something that you enjoy, maybe it's, I, I like food, so when you have something delicious, do you share it with somebody or do you keep it for yourself? I'm sure the answer depends, well, how much of it do you have, right? Well, God has given you enough love to share. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that your very nature and character is to love and to share your love with us. And you ask us, Lord, as we get to know you, as we believe in you, as we abide in you, we place our trust in you, as we know more of your love, you want us to share that love to others. You want your love to affect how we talk, how we see people, how we treat people, how we forgive people. Lord, there's people in our lives that we may find it hard to love. Help us, Lord, to not rely on our own abilities to love. 
but help us to love them as you love them. Help us to do what we feel like we are incapable of doing on our own or find it difficult to do on our own. May we be a light to those around us, a light to the world. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.